Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. We tend as Episcopalians towards the cerebral. In our church, you don't have to check your brains at the door, we confidently state. And right we are. I also think our denomination is somewhat comfortable with the emotional and relational. God loves us unconditionally, and we are to love one another in the same way. Finally, a good number of us appreciate the socially responsible aspect of our faith. We are to go out and be Christ to a world that so needs it. But the one way I think our Episcopal faith falls short in general is the mystical. We like our miracles to be explained. The feeding of the 5,000 is a miracle because Jesus inspired everyone to share what little they each had. And so everyone amazingly got fed and there were even leftovers. So sort of a miracle, but you can explain it. Standing in awe and speechlessness before God and Christ is kind of not our thing. We'd rather have a, a discussion about it or put together a committee to address it. The mystical aspects of our faith are not what we stress. Unlike Roman Catholics, for example. William and I attended Sunday Mass at a Roman Catholic church in Madrid in June. After the service... We were surprised to see groups of churchgoers huddled at various side chapels around the sanctuary. About six men and women were standing in front of the Holy Family Chapel with its statues of Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. One woman just stood there and stared, tears rolling down her cheeks, apparently having family troubles of her own and bringing them to the Holy Family Chapel for prayer and assistance. But the most popular side chapel by far was St. Jude's, the patron saint of lost causes. There were almost 20 people gathered there, putting their coins in the slot and lighting candles, then standing in silence and gazing at the statue. Their particular lost causes expressed as silent awe and desperate, quiet, prayerful focus. Now here at St. Luke's, we do light candles to the Madonna and child in the back of the church and to Christ right up here next to me. But we're kind of Episcopal outliers here in some ways. Don't know if you noticed that. So today I want to say a few words about the mystical nature of our faith. And I'm going to resist the temptation to explain or justify my words too much because I believe faith, faith should, at its core, be inexplicable if it is to be true. I'll say that again because I like it so much. Faith should at its core be inexplicable if it is going to be true. One of our central beliefs as Christians and especially as Episcopalians is that our faith is incarnational. That word comes from the Latin carnis. Think carne asada. Uh, it means enfleshment made flesh, made meat and bones and tissue. In other words, in the year 3 BC, God decided to break into human history and manifest divine love in the flesh and form of Jesus. As you may know, Christmas is called the Feast of the Incarnation. Loosely speaking, I, I think we can say the following. 
loosely speaking. So call me on it later if you want. Roman Catholics tend to emphasize the crucifixion. The Mass every week is an absolute recreation of Calvary. Orthodox Christians are more focused on the resurrection. Lots of alleluias all around, and Easter Day is a huge deal. Anglicans, of which the Episcopal Church is a part, emphasize the incarnation. The presence of Christ comes into the ordinary and makes it extraordinary. Christ is fully human and fully divine. That's not to say we celebrate Christmas more than the other holidays, but that when we talk about our faith, it's about God coming down. So I, I want to say three things uh, about the incarnation. You're all with me on incarnation, right? Yeah. Three things. Because divinity became humanity, we believe the body is inherently good and that all of creation is sacred. So love, intimacy, nature all around us, and the world, it's all good. And things like body shame are not of God. You are loved just as you are. Because of the incarnation, because that's a reminder that we have sacredness in us. Other thing about incarnation. When you come up here to the altar rail and you take Holy Communion, you are reasserting, yes, I am part of the body of Christ, and I invite God to enter into my life, my body, my spirit once more, to incarnate in my life. It's like a weekly recharge of holiness. It's not just a wafer that tastes kind of dry. It's not just wine that tastes kind of sour. It means something. And I invite you to consider that the central act of our worship here each week is mystical. It's this wafer and this wine being Jesus when we bless it and we take it. And it reminds us of holiness and relationship. It's kind of a strange thought if you stop and think about it. Um, there was a, a joke that Father Bill Stafford said last week after the in coffee hour after the 10 o'clock. Let's see if I can remember it. Um, it, takes more, it takes more faith to believe that this, this little dry thing is actually bread than it does to believe that it's Jesus. <laughs> Something like that. Because they're so like crackly. And, all right. That's, eight o'clock crowd is really tough. I, just, I forgot about that. <laughs> the third thing about the incarnation I will say, when I'm talking about incarnation, I'm really focusing on communion today. You are a part of the body of Christ. Remember in today's reading from Ephesians, you know, we are all parts of one body, the ligaments, the bones, and all of that. But we each have a function. Some of us are teachers. Some of us are, you know, pastors. Some of us are captains of industry. Some of us are retired. Some of us are doctors. And we all make up the body of Christ. And what that means is you don't get to just do your job in the world. You do it imbued with Christ and God in you. So ideally, whatever it is you do in your life, the hands that are skilled, the mind that is thinking and communicating, you're imbued with Jesus. And one reason, you may not know it, but one reason we come and we take communion each week is to, like I said, recharge and remember, I am the body of Christ. So I am then called to be Christ in the world. 
So, three things about being incarnational. You are already good when you walk into those church doors. You remind yourself that you are beloved in the partaking of Holy Communion, and you leave as a part of the body of Christ to do God's work in the world. This is all riffing on I am the bread of life from today's gospel reading. I'm kind of veering away from it a bit, but I want to make that point. There are mystical aspects to our faith that are central that we don't totally understand, but that work on us each week to form us and shape us into the people we are meant to be. Um, I am going to spare you what I had wrote out about all the differences between how people view the, the Holy Communion is it transubstantiation or consubstantiation or virtualism, receptionism or memorialism? So this is your lucky day. But you can ask me after the service if you uh, so desire and I will explain it. So I think what really matters is when you come to the altar, is you are receiving the life-giving presence of Christ and being fortified by it. I have a a sort of a theme sentence when I've talked about Holy Communion. The sacrament of Holy Communion binds us together into the body of Christ as we remember, give thanks for, and partake of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, being nourished to be Christ in the world until his coming again. I conclude with a quote from St. Augustine's Sermon 57 on the Eucharist. Apparently he numbered his sermons. Uh, And I believe this quote encapsulates that holy transaction of receiving communion. So picture a wafer and yourself. You are the body of Christ. In you and through you, the work of the incarnation must go forward. You are to be taken. You are to be blessed, broken, and given. That you may be the means of grace and the vehicles of the eternal love. Behold what you are, become what you receive.